Look around. Do you see division in the world? Are you having trouble putting your finger on the true source of the trouble? This world is similar to grade school. People fall out with one another, even become enemies, and it is difficult to discover why. Perhaps you find out one person has been spreading rumors and lies, turning people against each other, transforming friends into enemies, a master of the art of fabrication whispering into willing ears. It is difficult to defend oneself against a hidden enemy, especially when that person is in your circle of friends. The world is divided, which is not altogether unexpected, but why do these divisions grow deeper and darker over time? Ought not time bring understanding? Even now a war wages in Ukraine over Gothic matters. But what are the alternatives to war? At school two boys encounter an issue they could not agree on. Normal enough, but sometimes the issue had two quite distinct sides to it and these polar opposites were not reconcilable. Possibly they could be pushed aside if the two opponents were willing. Perhaps the issue was nothing more important than what the Christmas pageant would be or who would play which role. But it might concern something more chronic and unavoidable, such as who Sally belonged to or who decided what activities would take place on the weekends. There are situations which have no resolution other than the victory of one and the defeat of the other. Either slash or conditions might be resolved by debate, a shouting match, the intervention of a higher authority, a physical scuffle, or perhaps an escalation up to murder or all-out war. Often which it is depends more on outside factors than on the unwillingness of the opponents to go all the way. It is the loser who chooses when a disagreement has been resolved. The important thing to note here is that in any irresolvable situation, the two sides will become increasing polarized. As the dispute becomes more heated and the positions more entrenched, the two sides move further and further apart. Any suggestion of reconciliation is a sign of defeat. That is the problem with extremism. There is no off-ramp. It's always a winner-take-all event. Imagine someone thinking they overheard something you did not say. The supposed victim then demands you apologize. Weakness is a sign of guilt. Where is the off-ramp? How does one scale down the invective and come to a resolution? Possibly a skilled negotiator can find a way around the impasse, but we are talking ordinary people, not university graduate skill sets. But what if there is no resolution? What if extremism always led to a conflict? What if in every instance of conflict, it always came down to there being a loser and a winner? The problem with this might not be what you think, which is the abasement of the loser. People can survive this. But would individual conflicts not lead to group conflicts and these to national conflicts which would ultimately lead to an international one in which ultimately there was one winner, supreme above all others? We are talking about globalism here. People think of globalism as a conspiracy. It may be, but that is not the point. The truth we need to focus on is that the system invariably concentrates power in fewer and fewer hands. In every conflict there is a winner, and every winner concentrates the power of the opponent in his area of influence. And often, the means by which victory is obtained is through the winning of wars. But the other side effects of extremist agendas is bankruptcy, poverty, power disparities, inequality, and so on. These are not the products of charity and cooperation. But they are also not the result of a radical agenda such as is promoted by the Western radicals. 
When two companies compete for customers, the outcome has to be bankruptcy for the loser. For too long and far too often, mankind has attempted to choose between extremist agendas. It is time for something new. But if the policy or program only demonizes an opposite view, it is another example of extremism and will only exacerbate the problems it seeks to eliminate. It indisputable that radicalism is not extremism and is opposed to it. Therefore, in that sense, radicalism opposes extremism, its ideologies and platforms. However, the tactics of radicals differ from the tactics of an extremist. Extremists create or engage in a competition in which only one person or group come out as the winner. Part of the radical program is teaching people one person winning an engagement is not a win. What civilizations need to win is a win-slash-win option. Radicalism defeats extremism, but we do not destroy them or win in a competition against them. Radicals try to re-educate them. Radicals deprogram extremists so they do not see cooperation as a loss of status or an exposure to risk. Extremism as a philosophy and ideology loses and is weakened, but the people who are embracing extremism do not lose, they win. By converting to radicalism, extremists win and we as radicals win. Yet, we cannot end the discussion here. There are more avenues to explore. Most people see there is a difference between the right and left, though they are hard-pressed to know where to place the line. Nor do they understand just how deep and divisive the division is, partly because the line of division is not drawn by them in the right place. Radicals also see a line between the East and the West. The line is difficult to draw with clarity and precision. Most people think of the division as an indescribable abstraction, more imagined than real. We have been discussing radicalism and extremism and have noted that this world's thinking is extremist. It is highly polarized. The division between East and West is just one of the many polarities we know of. However, we have already asserted that the world is extremist in design and has been for some 6,000 years. This extremist ideology is global, but it is not evenly distributed everywhere. Just as the right and left is not uniformly extremist in the West, the nations and regions not uniformly extremist the world over. The West and conservative Christians dabble in radical ideas and thought though none of us have been fully radicalized. Liberals are extremists and in this more aligned with the East than the West. Part of the West's problem is that the left side of the West is attracted to the potentates of the East. The East is often considered a place of autocrats and exotic principalities where despots reign and sharp contrasts are the order of the day. The East hates the West and its ideology as much as the East does, both its North and South sectors. The West thinks it is its democracy that is opposed by the East. This is true, of course, but not for the reasons the West imagines. Democracy actually liberalizes people, but, in the end, liberalizes moves the West to where the East already is. Democracy is not something the East has need of. A bigger concern is the form that extremism takes. There are three flavors of extremism, Western plutocracy, Asian communism, and Hamitic despotism. Western extremists focus on the ownership of property. Communists are political extremists that tend to work mostly through institutions and Hamitic peoples embrace the cult of personality and autocracy grounded in a revered individual. The lines between these extremist groups is not precise for various reasons. 
Some nations have been deeply influenced by the West, others by Asian or Hamitic culture. But the struggle continues between the various extremist paths and between extremism and Western radicalism. The West is under attack both for its extremism and its radicalism. It is opposed for its extremism because it focuses on wealth and communist governments and Hamites both want access to the technology and assets of the West. But the West is in its own internal struggles. Just as there are two major divisions, there are two fights going on. There is the struggle between the West and the East, both its North and South division, but there is also the fight between the right and left that carries on in the West. But this latter fight is largely a diversion from the real issue. It is a simple truth that we cannot engage in extremist activities and be radical. It is just not possible, but democracy and the institutions of the West are rooted in extremism. It becomes extremely important to know how to divide the races if we are to understand the different conflicts. This war between East and West is not just a cultural war, it is a race war. It is a war between Homo sapiens and Homo apriorians. The two races are not tied to physical factors or intersectional values, but to ideology or culture or ways of thinking. That being said, Homo sapiens are a race defined by what it looks like. Sapiens sees things in terms of the flesh. But apriorians are spiritual and metaphysical. Radicals see reality in conceptual and analytical terms. So, the division that truly divides us is between radicalism and extremism. Even though there are three forms of extremism, all are incompatible with radicalism. Radicals embrace the golden rule and its correlate, the law of radicalism, all persons have a right to what they create and no person has a legitimate claim on anything not created by them. To do unto others as you would they do unto you means your actions become a model of how you want others to live. No one want to pay the debts of others, therefore do not permit others to pay your debt, which means radicals function solely within a market environment. To do this, however, means an end of extremist systems and institutions, and this includes the various monetary systems in use by the world's economies. The use of an asset as a currency is inherently divisive and extremist. There is a conflict between the lender and borrower. Radicals use radical accounting, a cash-based accounting that utilizes an equity-based unit of account that eliminates risk, at least for radicals. Risk is the result of competing claims against the same asset. If a person borrows money from a bank, the bank still owns the money and may reclaim it at any time. Not to mention they have every right to charge the borrower a usage fee for permitting you to use their currency. By converting to an equity-based exchange unit, there is no owner of the currency and no competing claim to your wealth. Because no one owns the unit of account, there are no interest payments to be made. Equity is created as we add value to an asset. This added value is issued as preferred shares. Contracted to preferers, designated by the symbol, and issued in denominations, preferred shares become a stable, inflation-free, risk-free, and interest-free currency. Without competition over currency or competing claims over assets, extremism must and will vanish in a radical market environment.